Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The following podcast was recorded and released for the fine folks over on my Patreon on Friday, February 19th, and is going to just contain all kinds of spoilers. Do I need to keep saying that? Yes, probably. I feel like y'all need to be warned. There be spoilers ahead. Hello and welcome to another episode of My Other podcast. I'm your host. My name is Steven, and I got eight pages of notes for WandaVision Episode 7. This episode was called Breaking the Fourth Wall, and I say we just jump right into it, shall we? I'm going to try not to spend a lot of time going over each and every little thing in the episode, because there's a couple of big things that happen that I think we need to talk about. And frankly, as I sat there watching the show, making a bunch of notes I realized that a lot of the questions that I was asking, some of them end up being answered by the end of the episode. And some of my notes ended up being, well, they didn't really matter at that point. But we'll see what happens. I'll, I'll look through my notes. I'll start talking and we'll just we'll just see where we are when we come out the other end. OK, so this was a modern family send off, whatever you want to call it. This is the modern family episode of WandaVision, which Modern Family was on ABC. ABC is owned by Disney. Coincidence? Probably not. Well, we open the show with Wanda waking up in bed. She she realizes that the vision is not there with her. And then we start getting the scenes where she is sitting. She's sitting in a chair talking to the camera as if she's being interviewed, right? Just like they do in Modern Family and The Office and Parks and Rec, those kinds of shows. And she's talking about, um, you know, so I overdid it last night, which is she's she's talking about what happened the night before, which was Halloween. And she expanded the hex. Well, her kids come running up. Billy and Tommy come running up and they're wanting to know if she's going to get out of bed because weird things are starting to happen now around the house. Everyday objects are going through some kind of weird time flux. For example, they come up and say that their video games are freaking out. And they show what happened. The The boys are sitting there on the couch and they're holding Wiimotes from a Wii and they're playing a video game. And suddenly the Wiimotes change into what I believe are GameCube controllers. Those then change into controllers or joysticks for an Atari 2600. And then those change into Uno cards. So... It's like time is being reversed just with their video games. And as Wanda gets up and gets into her day, this seems to be happening. It keeps happening all around the house. 
I should also point out real quick that the bedspread that Wanda is using is covered in hexagons, and it actually matches the pillow that's on Vision's side of the bed, but her pillow is not covered in hexagons. Not sure what that means, except maybe since her pillow is different, it means that she's not, she doesn't have to follow the same rules in this little world of theirs. Well, she's telling the camera at one point that she, uh, you know, again, she, she's, she had a wild night and the only thing she can do to punish herself is to have a quarantine style staycation. Just her, just herself, nobody else. And that's, she feels like that's the only thing that she can do. Well, she's downstairs in the kitchen. She grabs a bottle of almond milk from the fridge, grabs some cereal from the, from the cabinet. The milk then changes from a bottle of almond milk to a carton of vitamin D milk. That then changes to a glass bottle of milk, you know, like an old style glass bottle. And then it even goes black and white. She seems very confused about what's going on. In the background, you can hear a TV. There's a there's a TV on station WNDA, which I meant to look up, but I didn't. But come on, Wanda, Wanda TV. You can't quite hear most of what the guy is saying on the TV, but I watched this with, with uh, captions. So certain things popped up, like uh, not a thing weighing heavily on your conscience. I hope your little ghosts arrived home safe last night. It's always a treat to see those creepy kiddos out and about once a year. It was very much, you could tell that whatever was on TV, it was like a, a morning show, like Good Morning America or something. Again, Wanda's very confused about the object shifting in and out of time. And she, during her interview segment, is blaming it on a case of the Mondays. We then go into the opening credits, which is very much the office type credits. But it's all just Wanda's name. You get like a name tag that says, hello, my name is Wanda. You see a cake with Wanda's name on it. You see a sign with Wanda's name on it. You just, everything, they just show multiple images with Wanda's name on it. And the vision is nowhere to be found in this opening. And it ends with a shot of a calendar. And instead of the month, it shows Wanda. And Friday the 10th is is circled with a heart. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure what Friday the 10th signifies in Wanda and Vision's life or in the comics or anything. Um, but then eventually, as as we're looking at this image, Vision's name does appear to show Wanda Vision. Sword has set up a temporary retreat eight miles outside of Westview. And we learn here that the broadcast, the television broadcast of WandaVision, it's no longer being broadcast. Hayward asks one of his people about the broadcast and she says it's just dead air. The signal's gone, which is a bit confusing because they're obviously still acting out the, te- the television scenes within Westview. They're just not broadcasting them for whatever reason. I have to assume it's because of the barrier. Not only did she extend the barrier further out from Westview, it also seems to be more solid. It seems to be more impenetrable. And maybe that's why the broadcast signal is not getting out. Well, we go to Vision. He's waking up in a field. The screen resolution changes. We get two different screen resolutions in this show. You've got kind of a widescreen letterbox, which represents the real world, and then a full widescreen without the letterbox, and that's the television world. Vision wakes up in a full widescreen non-letterbox 
television world and he's laying outside the circus. So if you if if you remember from the last episode, he was trying to he pushed his way through the barrier and he was falling apart and pieces of him were being sucked back into the barrier. Wanda moved the barrier, expanded the barrier, the hex. I don't know why I keep calling it the barrier. It's the hex is what they call it. And a lot of the sword encampment was encased, was was moved inside the hex. And everything within the within the sword encampment turned into a circus. And so Vision wakes up. He's he's sitting outside the circus. There's tents. There's clowns. There's all this stuff going on. And one of the sword agents that we had seen in previous ep- episodes approaches Vision, and he is dressed in like the strongman costume. So even though the television show at this point is set in the 2000s um, or the 2010s, the circus is very much an old timey kind of circus. Well, he he comes up, he's dressed as a strong man. He assumes that Vision is their new clown and he's happy to see that at least he's still he's he's already got his makeup on, but he tells him he needs to hurry up because he has to practice with uh the escape artist act. And we see the escape artist is Darcy and she is chained to a car. In the previous episode as the hex was being expanded, she had been handcuffed to a car by sword and now she is chained to a car. And she's that's that's her character. She's an escape artist working for the circus. She's very much in character. She's very much part of the show. Vision, however, remembers everything. He approaches her and he says, don't you remember me from last night? We we made eye contact and she has no idea what he's talking about. She just thinks he's some creepy dude trying to hit on her. We go back to Wanda and the boys and the boys at one point ask her, what did Uncle P mean when he talked about re-killing dad? And she tells him not to believe anything that that man says. He is not your uncle, which he doesn't appear at all in this episode. Well, I shouldn't say that. He does appear later in the episode. We'll, we'll get to that. But he's not in the main part of the episode. And they don't explain why she says he's not their uncle. They they say, well, who is he? And she doesn't have an answer. She even says, I have no answers. I'm starting to believe that everything is meaningless. Agnes arrives at this point and she takes the kids with her to give Wanda some me time. And there is a moment and we'll talk about this later because it didn't mean anything at the time, but it sure as heck meant something by the end of the episode. But she's 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 she tells the kid, come on, let's give your mom some me time. And they they're kind of looking at her. She goes, come on, it's okay, I don't bite. And then she kind of gives the camera a knowing look. And then she is in her interview chair And she says, I actually did bite a kid once. And uh, we'll talk about that later. So we find out Monica and Jimmy are still in their vehicle traveling to wherever they're going. And Jimmy finds the email that Darcy sent him in the previous episode and sees that Hayward was trying to bring Vision back online. And Monica mentions that Hayward wanted his sentient weapon back. Monica and Wu end up meeting up with some military folks, a major Goodner. This was a really frustrating part of the episode because when they they meet up with these folks, she's like, all right, there they are. We're, we've arrived. And I'm like, great. We're going to find out who this freaking secret aerospace engineer is. The guy, her guy, as she referred to him in the previous episode. But she meets up with somebody named Major Goodner, who is a sword agent, or at least works for sword, and who is loyal to both her and her mother. And same with all the other 
military soldiers there, the the sword soldier agents, whatever you call them. They're, they work for sword, but they're obviously military. So we never learn in this episode who the freaking aerospace engineer is. There's been a ton of theories. Could it have been Scott Lang? He's an engineer. I don't know if he was an aerospace engineer. Could it have been Harry, Henry Pym? Could it be Reed freaking Richards? Everybody is just throwing theories all over the place that that this is how the Fantastic Four enter into the Marvel Cinematic Universe is through WandaVision and that we're going to see Reed Richards and it's obviously he's the guy that helps Monica. But we never see who this is. And frankly, what we do find out is that this team of sword agents, these soldiers have brought with them a big freaking truck. It's a it's a space rover. And apparently that's what she's going to use to get in through the hex. Vision ends up waking Darcy up with his little power that he does like he did with Norman and he did with Agnes, apparently. And it's funny when she wakes up because she says, you know, part of me secretly wanted a guest spot on this show, but seriously, that sucked. Well, they realize they need to leave the circus. They need to go to Vision's house. And it's actually, it's really kind of funny because the strong man guy who was the, the sword agent comes out of the tent and he says, all right, you guys are next. The, the whatever act that's going on right now, they're, they're finishing up. You guys are next. And they realize they need to leave. And so I think now I can't remember. I've watched it twice now. I think Darcy punches him in the nose and then they jump into like a big ice cream truck and they drive away and the strong man is chasing them and they're freaking out because they're like, oh, no, we can't let him catch us. But the whole it's, it's it's really silly because the whole time I'm thinking Vision is a freaking superhero. He's one of the most powerful superheroes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And as they're driving away, as they're escaping in this ice cream truck, as they're acting as if they are in a lot of peril, the strong man comes up and slaps his hand on the, the passenger side window of the ice cream truck and Vision is really startled and I'm just shaking my head because obviously, even though Vision knows what's going on, they're still somewhat playing their roles inside this TV world. Like he's not some kind of freaking superhero that could just lift them both up and fly them out of there. We go back to Wanda at home and the things... Everything in the house now is shifting in and out of time almost. It's things are changing to past versions of themselves. It's very obvious that she's losing control over everything. And during one of her interview segments here, she says, I don't know why it's all falling apart and why I can't fix it. And then suddenly the interviewer asks, Do you think maybe this is what you deserve? And that startles Wanda. And she's like, What? You're not supposed to talk. Well, we go from there to our commercial. The commercial is for an antidepressant called Nexus. And I, I I wrote down some of the stuff that they say in the commercial. It says, Nexus, a unique antidepressant that helps anchor you back to your reality or the reality of your choice. Side effects include feeling your feelings, confronting your truth, seizing your destiny, and possibly more depression. You should not take Nexus unless your doctor has cleared you to move on with your life. Nexus, because the world doesn't revolve around you. Or does it? I really don't know what this commercial means. I'm not smart enough to read into a lot of stuff. Obviously, well, I don't want to even use the word obviously. Well, first of all, we have the woman and the man that has been in all the other previous commercials, except for the one from the last episode. They are back in these commercials. Again, one of the theories that I've seen out there is that these two are Wanda's mother and father. 
the commercial, I don't know. It's It seems to be saying that Wanda has either done something or she's supposed to do something, but maybe she's too busy living in a reality that's not her own, which obviously that's what's going on. I'm not really sure exactly what the commercial is trying to say. However, I have been hearing this word nexus in regard to Wanda and the Marvel Universe quite a bit since this show started, and I ended up looking it up. Scarlet Witch, which is what Wanda is called in the comic books, is something that they call a nexus being in the Marvel Universe. Other known nexus beings are Merlin, Kang the Conqueror, and the nexus is, a, a, according to marvel.fandom.com, the nexus is a cross-dimensional gateway which provides a pathway to any and all possible realities. This includes realities between realities. It is unknown whether it was created by us by some being or just if it's the one place in the entire multiverse where all realities naturally intersect. So a nexus being then I suppose is somebody that can travel through all of these other realities in the multiverse through the nexus. And Wanda in the Marvel Universe and the comic books is a nexus being. So I then have to assume that this commercial is telling us that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, she is also a Nexus being, which would make sense because she features heavily in the next Doctor Strange movie, which is all about the multiverse. And this show is supposed to set up that Doctor Strange movie. So we go back to Agnes's house, or we go to Agnes's house for the first time. Billy and Tommy are there. Billy really likes it at Agnes's house. He says it's quiet. And then he tells Agnes that she's quiet, too, on the inside. And she seems confused by this. Based on what we learn later, I think it's not confusion that he would say that, but confusion that he would realize that, that he knows that. What it means exactly, I'm not sure. We see Monica suiting up in an all-white, well, white with accents of gray, various shades of gray. Uh, Basically, it's a spacesuit because she's getting in the space rover and she's going to try to drive through the hex. It doesn't work. And in fact, the barrier, she's not able to get the the freaking space rover to drive through, first of all. It, It repels the space rover. But then it starts to rewrite the space rover and she jumps out and then it sucks the rover halfway in and then spits it back out and it shoots across this field and and when it lands it's like half minivan half space rover and monica decides at this point that she's just going to go she's just going to push her way through the through the barrier and frankly when i was making notes at this moment all i wrote down was oh damn and then i didn't write anything else down until after this entire scene was done so she pushes her way through the barrier and she's stuck there for a moment and we're seeing different versions of her we're seeing her as well as her, both of her geraldine versions um we're hearing a lot of stuff like we hear the the conversation she has with her mom in the captain marvel movie when she's a little girl and she's trying to talk her mom into going into space with Carol to help her. We hear other stuff as well. We hear Carol talking about um, Monica being being strong. And then she is pushed through to the other side and nothing about her has changed. She's still in her spacesuit, But now her eyes have like a faint glow to them. And she can see, she's like looking at the phone lines and the power lines and she can see... Well, she can see like the radio waves and the electrical waves. She can see the different images 
across the visual spectrum, basically. These hidden radio waves and electricity and and, and all that junk. And I'm about jumping out of my chair because I'm so excited about her getting her superpowers. And this is this is where it officially starts. So she takes the, the space suit off and underneath she's wearing a white and black suit that is it's just pants and a shirt, long sleeve shirt, but it could easily be her Captain Marvel suit or the beginnings of her Captain Marvel suit from the comics. And I am, I'm just super pumped at this point. Well, I was just so excited that I stopped taking notes. And so I'm not really quite sure the order in which everything happens at this point. But there is a moment with, well, Vision and Darcy are in the ice cream truck. And it appears that what everything that has happened to Vision in his life, the way he was created, what ha- how he died, you know, with with uh, Wanda pulling the, the Mind Stone from him and killing him, and then Thanos using the Time Stone to reverse that and bring him back and then killing him again. That all is either a matter of public record or Darcy has some kind of level of clearance that maybe the average person doesn't because she knows all this stuff. She's telling Vision because Vision doesn't remember any of this, but she's telling Vision all about it. She's even telling him how, you know, because he says, so basically I was based off of an AI called Jarvis and then was brought to life because my body was supposed to be the body of, uh, of Ultron and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, again, either this stuff is a matter of public record, which it might possibly be, or she just knows stuff that the average person doesn't, which brings up some interesting questions. Well, they come across a red light. They're basically out in the middle of nowhere. They're on the outskirts of, of Westview. And Darcy makes a comment that, you know, another red light, good Lord, we're out in the middle of nowhere. Don't you think this is kind of overkill? And then suddenly... The Vision is doing an interview. He he's he's now suddenly part of the show doing his part of the the interview portion. He's sitting in in a chair outside in front of the the ice cream truck and he's saying that he believes that Wanda is setting up these obstacles to impede him from coming home. Uh at the time that I'm watching this at this point not knowing how this episode ends, I don't believe that it's Wanda that's doing this. Of course, I find out that I'm right, but it's a it's a really good there. It's actually a couple of scenes where this is happening, but it's it's a really funny moment. It's a really good moment because at one point as he's speaking to the camera, he suddenly realizes, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? This is ridiculous. I need to be heading home. I'm the frickin' vision. I can fly. And he's got a little lapel mic clipped to his suit. And he pulls it off and he pushes the, the the boom mic out of the way. And then suddenly we're back in the ice cream truck and he just flies through the top of it since he can phase through stuff. So it really kind of questions, it really brings into question, when do these interview segments happen? Are they just, it's, it's really weird because once he realizes during the interview segment that doing this interview and sitting in this ice cream truck waiting for, at this point, a bunch of school kids to walk by is ridiculous. He's the vision. And then suddenly he's back in the ice cream truck. It's just weird how all this stuff kind of matches up in whatever timeline happens to be going on during this this freaking show, the WandaVision show that is fictional. So then again, I don't remember the exact um, order of events at this point, because like I said, I wasn't really taking a lot of notes. But at one point, Monica shows up at Wanda's house. She just barges in and she's trying to warn Wanda 
that Hayward was trying to reactivate Vision. Um, Wanda, however, she doesn't want to hear any, hear about any of that. And she tells her, I don't want to talk about that at all. And she uses her powers to lift Monica up and push her outside. And they start having this big confrontation out on the front lawn. And the people of Westview who are out there, they, they, they kind of stop to watch. And Wanda is holding, using her powers, she's, she's holding Monica up in the air. But then you can see like this blue electricity lightning type stuff course through Monica and she falls to the ground. Wanda is very surprised. Those of us who are Monica Rambeau fans are cheering, waiting for her freaking powers to just finally 100% manifest. They never do at this point anyway. Well, Agnes is watching this happen through from from the window in her house and suddenly she's there and she tells Monica she's got to leave. She's like, nope, you're you need to leave. That's enough. Wanda needs to rest. And she takes Wanda away to her house, leaving Monica out there on the street. Monica yells at Wanda at one point, you need to shut it down. And Wanda says, no, that's not going to happen. Don't make me hurt you. So Agatha takes <laughs> I slipped there. Agnes takes, have I been calling her Agatha this whole time? (laughs) We'll get there. Don't worry. So Agnes takes Wanda back to her house. And once Wanda is inside, everything starts getting all creepy. This very sinister music starts playing. She's sitting on the couch. Agnes says, can I get you some tea? And she says, yeah, sure. That's great. And then she notices that there are two plates on the coffee table with like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that are partly eaten. There's a couple of like half empty glasses of juice. Yo Gabba Gabba is, is playing on the TV. And she says, Agnes, where are my boys? And Agnes says, I don't know, maybe they're down in the basement playing. And at one point she looks over and there's like a freaking cicada uh, crawling up Agnes's curtain. Now, I don't know how it is in other parts of the country. We have always referred to cicadas as locusts. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know why that is. But a locust has supernatural connotations and possible evil uh implications that go along with it. As far as I'm concerned, maybe I'm just talking out of my butt at this point. I don't know. But Wanda goes down into the basement and everything just gets even more creepy. The basement is dark and it's very sinister. And it's almost at first, it looks like the kind of a basement a freaking serial killer would have. And then she goes through a doorway and the basement is suddenly there are like these roots, vine root type things crawling just all over the walls. And the basement is huge. And she walks into a room that then looks more like the chamber of a witch. And there is a book on a freaking pedestal. And there is this spooky, glowy, smoky stuff, energy coming out of the book. And Agnes shows up, says, oh, you didn't think you were the only witch here, did you? Let me introduce myself, basically. She says, I'm Agatha Harkness. And then we get a new theme song, a whole new credit sequence very much like the Munsters, and it's all about Agatha Harkness. And it basically, the the lyrics to the song is basically saying, Agatha is behind everything. This has all been Agatha Harkness. And they're showing different scenes where, like, you see Pietro standing at the door of the house when he first shows up, and you can see Agatha on the lawn using her powers to control Pietro. She's, she's behind everything. She was the interviewer that asked... Um, Wanda, if she felt like this is what she deserved. And I just, I'm, I'm laughing. I'm just laughing aloud because here's the thing. We, (laughs) I think all of us who have been watching this show 
have known before the first episode even aired that Agnes was Agatha Harkness. We all knew that. But knowing that, we just dismissed the fact that maybe she's the she was the big bad after all. The whole time. We just been ignoring that. Well, that's Agatha Harkness. What does she have to do with this? You know, because in the comics, she's kind she kind of goes back and forth between being a good guy and a bad guy, you know, from what I can remember. So we've all just assumed that she obviously has a role to play, but none of us really, you know, people were like, oh, it's Mephisto or Mephisto or however the heck you pronounce his stupid name, or it's the Cree, or it's freaking, I don't know, all these, I can't even remember all the different theories now at this point. And it turns out to be freaking Agatha Harkness the entire time. And the the song that they play and the credits they play are basically just rubbing that in our faces. It's almost like they knew from the very beginning that we would know that Agatha Harkness is in the show, but all of us fanboys and girls would be throwing all these different theories around about who's the actual big bad. Is it, is it freaking uh, her husband that we never see? Is it, is it this person? Is it that person? And nobody's going to suspect that it's Agatha Harkness the whole time. And they're just rubbing our faces in it. And it was such an amazing moment in that show. Now, of course, the reveal doesn't necessarily mean she is the big bad. I mean, come on. Loki was the big bad in the first Avengers movie, but he wasn't the ultimate big bad, right? There's got there, there's there's somebody else above her. I would have to assume at this point. Maybe not. Maybe it's just her the whole time. But while they finally answered that question, who the big bad is, who's the bad guy, there are so many other questions now that they haven't answered. And I wrote a bunch of them down. So why? What's her motivation? What does she benefit? What is she getting out of this? Why is she the big bad? Why is she doing what she's doing? Does she just want the kids you know, it it makes me think back to earlier in the episode when she said that she did bite a kid once. Does she eat children? You know, witches in uh, the lore, as it were, have been known to eat children. Think of the witch that built the cottage in the wood in Hansel and Gretel and had the house made of candy so she could lure children in so she could eat them. Is that what Agatha is doing? Is that why we don't see kids throughout most of the show because she's been eating them? Is that what the TV person said when he referred to the kids as ghosts and creepy little kiddos because they're not quite alive kids? I don't know. Did she want Wanda to have kids because she knew that Wanda's kids would have powers and then eating children with powers would help her powers grow or sustain her for longer? I don't know. Those are some of the questions that I'm asking. Is Was she Jimmy Woo's witness that has gone missing? Who was Jimmy's witness? Because they have been watching the show for a week, right? According to Darcy, she'd been watching the show for a week. And they had, they had identified all of the townspeople and who they were in real life. But we didn't see Agnes or Agatha. We didn't see her on the board. Was she even on the show show? I mean, I don't remember now. It makes me want to go back and watch the episodes where Darcy and Jimmy are actually watching the show to see if, I mean, we know that Agnes is there. We saw her, but I feel like there were moments that made us feel like certain things that we saw on the show, they didn't see on the show when they were watching it. So did they even see Agnes at all? I, I don't remember. 
Some other things I wrote down. Um, so when Wanda is doing that, the interview portion of the episode and the interviewer asks, do you think maybe this is what you deserve? It did going back and watching it. It did kind of sound like Agnes, but like modified, like she had some voice modulation put on her voice. And if that's the case, is that part of the motivation? Did Wanda do something to Agnes or Agatha without knowing it? Did did she take someone away from Agatha? You know, she she that bomb in Captain America Civil War that killed all those people. Could one of them have been related to Agatha? Could it have been her husband that she keeps talking about that we never saw? And this is her form of revenge to take somebody away from Wanda. You know, she's the one that was kind of subliminally, that's a hard word to say. She was the one that was kind of hinting at her to have the kids. And then she has the kids and now the kids are missing. Was that her whole motivation the whole time was to have, you know, she has kids, she brings vision back to life, and then she's going to take it all back from Wanda to, to make her suffer even more. Does she want to use Wanda because Wanda is one of these nexus beings? Does she want to use Wanda to access different Earths in the multiverse? And if Agatha is controlling everything, when Vision is being interviewed and he realizes that it's ridiculous and he gets up and leaves, why didn't she stop him? Maybe he's supposed to confront her. I don't know. This is one of those episodes. It's like they answer the big question and it just opens up a whole bunch of other questions. And we've only got two more episodes. So will we find out who this freaking aerospace engineer is that helped Monica? Will we see Monica's full powers? Will we find out that there's somebody even even behind Agatha? Oh, boy. Two whole episodes. There's still a lot more information that we need to find out and that we can find out. Oh, and did you know that there was an end of credit scene? Did you know that? I almost missed it. I've been trying to check every episode to see if there's an after credit scene. And I wasn't going to check this time. And I just happened to check the second time I watched the episode. Yeah, Monica is creeping around Agnes's house, Agatha's house. I, I'm assuming that's whose house she's at. And she opens up the cellar doors from outside and she's about to go in. And then suddenly Pietro is there and he makes a comment like Snooper's going to snoop or something like that. And then it's over. So, yeah, uh, great freaking episode. This is one of the best television shows on TV right now, as far as I'm concerned. And Friday has officially become my favorite day of the week. Not because it's the beginning of the weekend, but it's because I got to watch an episode of the WandaVision. And yet we've only got two episodes left. I think what I'm going to do, because we'll have two episodes left, then we'll have a week off. And then the week following will be Falcon and Winter Soldier. They are going to be starting a new documentary series. And the first episode will come out the Friday between those two shows. And it'll be about WandaVision. It's going to be like a like a making of stuff in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But I think during that week off, I'm going to go back and watch the whole series all the way through. Ugh, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted, folks. This is an exhausting show and I love it so much. And I don't know what else I can say about it, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. You know, there's various places you can leave comments. You folks have been doing it over at the Instagram, on the Twitters, on the Patreon for you folks who are my patrons and over at the secret the secret Facebook group just for the patrons. You hear that, non-patrons? Not only are you those folks getting this episode on Friday, y'all gotta wait till Tuesday. There's a secret Facebook group. Don't you want to be a part of that? Secret stuff? Secrets? 
Dollar a month. That's all I'm asking. Dollar a month. That's nothing. That's not even the price of a cup of coffee. All right, I'm done. I'm out, folks. Thanks. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.